TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. What's up? I'm back. Joe DiBiase here on the Nightcap on WGR, 7 to 9, weekdays, when the Sabres don't play, which is rapidly coming to a close. Home finale tomorrow, fan appreciation night against the Ottawa Senators. And then just one more game, and that's it. That's it for the season. Off-season changes uh, probably can't get here soon enough for many of you, and I am with you. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on tonight's conversation. You can also tweet at me at Sneaky Joe WGR on Twitter, or you can hit us up on the text line 550-550. Went to the game last night, went for the free food, work, hooked me up with some tickets. The food was great. Thought the atmosphere actually, for what it's been, if you really think about it, hard that. It's been eight years since we've made the playoffs. It's been three, three-time last-place champions, if you want to call it that, um, for how dreadful they've been in the last month or two. Even getting 16,000 people in that building is pretty amazing in itself. And, you know, leave it to the refs. They were the ones who really got the most energy in that crowd last night when they made that brutal call on the rebound goal that should have counted for the Sabres, and they determined that a save was possession, so that goal didn't count. But the groans in that arena after that, like, I was in there, like, I felt that. So there was at least a little bit of atmosphere last night, which is amazing at this point that there's anything. Like, where are we all at with this team? I want to jump right into the Sabres tonight. Bulldog and Sally did a lot on the Bills earlier, and I'm, I'm ready to get to that soon, too, with the draft. Like, we're in, this is draft month. And there's a lot to be desired with the Sabres right now. But they are so interesting to me that this happened again. Last year, it felt... It was dead. I Hopeless. Didn't know what they should do. And you couldn't change the coach out. Like, you were kind of... I don't want to say you were trapped there, but it would have been... It would have been probably even a bad look... By anybody's standards, if you moved on from a coach after one season, regardless of how bad it was. But now you are freed up to where they could do that. Like, it's a move you can make. You can change the head coach. And you bring in a new head coach, that will instill some sort of hope throughout the fan base, regardless of who it is, really. Right? You're always optimistic for the new guy. And 
if you bring back Housley for year number three, listen, I don't need them to fire the coach, but I don't know how you get away with not doing it at this point. If you wanted to keep Housley, you're setting yourself up for a lot of negative energy, maybe not in the team, but in the fan base, if he is back to start next season. And that's tough. It's tough to start next year if you've already got that negative energy built up, ready to explode if anything goes wrong. You know you bring him back for next year, things go wrong to start next season, and you're hearing Fire Housley chants in the crowd. You even got a little bit of that going on late in the season this year. Not a lot, but there's murmurs in that that arena. That chant has been made, not by the whole building, but it's happened. And all of this is happening, and I'm thinking about Robin Robin Leonard's comments from last week. Think about that guy. He was blamed a lot by Sabre fans because of, of course, the trade that brought him here, but also he had a really poor year last season. And the two previous years before that, like people didn't want to look at it and say, yeah, he was above average in his first two years as Buffalo Sabres. That is true. Robin Leonard, look at his save percentage. He was, and look at high danger save percentage. Like He was not amazing, but he was an above average goaltender his first two seasons here for the Sabres. Last year, not good. Not good at all. And he had his issues, and he's worked through them. It was detailed a lot through the offseason. So that could have been part of the reason for it. And he comes out last week, and he makes these comments about the atmosphere, and how tough a city this is to play in. How Buffalo prepared him for the New York market. And he's is he wrong? He's really not. I mean, we are like the only radio station that consistently talks about hockey in the country, it seems. And why is that? It's because, for one, we care so much about it in this city. There's a reason that this city is always right at the top of ratings in the Stanley Cup Finals and in the NHL playoffs, even when their team has been so bad for so many years and they're not in it. So there is added pressure onto you if you play here. That's just the way it is. But that can be a positive too, of course. People care about the sport. That's going to entice some people to come there. You're more of a rock star here than you might be in New York City, for instance, what Leonard's talking about. And using him as an example here, His quote is about how it's like a negative cloud. And that's all been building up over the last eight years. The moment Darcy Regeer said the word suffering to now. That has all been building up. And it's exploded a couple of times. And now we're at a point where Jeff Skinner is coming up under contract. You've got your top goal scorer who's talking to Paul today, and the quote about him is, I'm, I'm open to anything. He says he wants to stay in Buffalo. He says he's a part of this team now, but that he is not ruling anything out. And there's no deal done, and it's April 3rd. And this has gone from, to me, oh yeah, he's signing. I'd be stunned if he wasn't signing. We're waiting for the deadline so he can sign the eighth year. That's what it felt like to me. That trade deadline passed, And I was, maybe not expecting, but I was ready. I was ready for them to make that signing. 
you know, I'm here on the board. I'm running Shopin the Bulldog. I got my drops over here on the, on the screen, and that trade deadline passes, and I'm just I got that breaking news uh, button highlighted in red just in case he signs, so I can hit that, and we can just start talking Jeff Skinner contract. And it hasn't happened. And even in the media, from the big guys, have you really heard a whole lot? You've heard a little bit about maybe term being an issue, and oh, look, the Sabres are operating under the assumption that he wants to stay in Buffalo. And other than that, there's dead, dead silent. You haven't heard any figures. You haven't heard years other than the term thing I just mentioned. Cap hit. Like, none, none of that. Whether he wants to test free agency. There hasn't been a lot of reporting on it. So you were kind of left in the dark here. And meanwhile, since the deadline, not only has the team sunk to being the worst team in the NHL in that stretch, he went stone cold. What's he got? Two goals in 23 games, 22 games, something like that. About a quarter of a season, he's got two goals. And that can make you think, hey, we don't have to sign him. Or, like, you know, it could sour you on the player at least a little bit. It would, if he walked away now, after this stretch, maybe there wouldn't be as many pitchforks outside the arena as there would have been had he gotten to 50 goals like he was on pace for. So here's where I'm at with Skinner right now. You got him you're, for the rest of the year, a couple more games, that's it, and then he's a UFA. He's 26 years old. I don't think you have to sign him. It wouldn't be the worst thing that could happen. It would not be the end of the world. But they should sign him. They should do it. And that means going the eighth year, he's 26. That should not even be an issue, the eighth year. I mean, teams are doing that all around the league. And he is not Kyle Poso. He is not Matt Molson. He's a different type of player than that. Those were power forward Staying in front of the net, eat off of your top center's uh, plate. Whereas Skinner, you know, he has made his career up until this season not playing with an elite centerman. He is a great skater. He is a finesse player, but a speed player, a leverage player. He is a guy with a good shot. He is a guy that will score from anywhere. Remember the goal during the 10 game win streak earlier in the season? Or maybe it was not during the 10-game win streak, but Eichel was not playing for whatever reason. Maybe he was sick or hurt, and the Sabres are in a close game late, and here comes Jeff Skinner flying up the wing. Maybe you'll remember this goal. He hits the blue line, he turns his hips, and like he's doing that figure skating thing. Like That's one of those moments where you look at him skating and say, oh, that's, that's, that's a little uh, different looking. That's right there. That's the figure skating right there. And he roars in. Gets to the face-off circle and roofs a wrist shot. Wrist shot, excuse me. Top corner. Sabres win that game. Without Jack Eichel. Skinner was their main go-to weapon in that moment. And he got it done for them. But, he's also had this quarter of a season here lately where he's got two goals. He's streaky. He is one-dimensional. He is, in, in the terms of him being like just an offensive player, I mean, how, how is he afraid to put him on the ice in 3-on-3 three three overtime because he doesn't trust him in, in, on defense? So one-dimensional in, in that term. He's a winger. And we've experienced this here. We know centermen are much more valuable than wingers. 
damn, though, is he good. When he is on, he is on. How many players in the league can have a stretch like he did where 55, 56 games into the season, the guy's already coming up on 40 goals? There are players that will do that. Ovechkin is one. Line A has won. Austin Matthews is one. Jamie Benn. Tyler Sagan. Connor McDavid. How many more goal scorers can I get to where I can actually keep saying what I just said? Third, four, almost 40 goals in 57 games. He's one of a handful of players that have that ability to have that stretch. So even though he's streaky, even though he's one-dimensional, even though he's a winger, you got to pay somebody. You got to pay somebody. And like I said at the top, there's reasons to not sign him. But twice now in the last 12 months, 13 months, going back to last year's trade deadline, have the Sabres looked for a reason not to sign a guy, not to pay a guy the big money. The two players for that are Ryan O'Reilly and Evander Kane. And you can say, you can argue Kane that that is a good move and that you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have locked him up long term. Look at the money he got in San Jose. Okay, fine. You did have reason to want to sign him, though. Maybe he would have never came back in, in the first place. But you had reason to want to sign him. I mean, he, hell, he was playing great last year, too, in a contract year. Evander Kane. He was their best goal scorer before he got traded. He's fast. He was the right age you were looking for, 25-26. You found reason to not pay him. Fine. There was reason to pay him, and you didn't do it. And you got to pay somebody. If you had paid Ryan O'Reilly, if you had paid... Because Ryan O'Reilly was owed the money to. You already had him locked up under contract. You found reason to not want to continue paying him that money. Even though you know he was going to give you the production. You found a reason to not want to pay him. And I just don't want them to do that same thing with Jeff Skinner. Because all three of those players, they're all different in their own right. They all play different roles. They're all different types of players. And... You, but at the end of the day, you have to look at all three and say, yeah, you give them big contracts because they put up a ton of production on the ice. And you can't keep letting guys like that walk out the door. Regardless of what's happening off the ice. Because at some point, you have to value the on-ice production above that. What's curious, too, to look back and say, just, just, just playing around. Sean Tierney, at Charting Hockey on Twitter, he's got this lineup uh, war creator, wins above replacement. You create your lineup, you put it in there, it tells you how good they are in terms of like a season-long projection. You can create whatever lineup you want, and it'll tell you how good a, how, how good a team that'll be. For like Someone was even messing around the other day. They did a team of all Jack Eichels on, at forward and a team of all Rasmus Dahlins uh, on D. Eichels and Dahlins, and that was it. It was like a 125-point team, or it was maybe even above that. Something crazy. You can play around with that. So I did. I took the Sabres lineup right now, as is. But I plugged back in the three guys that you moved out in the offseason. Or that you let go. O'Reilly, Kane, Leonard. Three guys, by the way, that have all gone on to new teams, have all played great, and are all going to the playoffs. All three of them. Hell, O'Reilly's probably going to be a nominee for the 
for the Selkie. Leonard, at this point, probably is not a nominee for the Vesna, but just because he hasn't played enough games. But he's played at a Vesna level when he's been in net. Like I said, the sample size isn't enough where he'll be a nominee. But he's had an incredible season. The Islanders are going to the playoffs. And Kane has just done, this has been Kane. Scored goals. Playing in the top six on a team that's going to the playoffs. Plug all three of them back into what your team is now. And that includes Skinner. Because you could make the point, hey, they wouldn't have traded for Skinner if they had kept O'Reilly and uh, Kane. Fair. But they still should have done it. So let's operate under the assumption that they still would have done that. Top six forwards of Eichel, Skinner, Palmaville. We've seen how good that line has been. O'Reilly, Reinhardt, Kane as your second line. Plug that in to Sean Tierney's chart here. With the same defenseman the Sabres got now. Leonard and Ned instead of Hutton. Because you moved on from him. him. And what were they? On his tool, they're a 98-point team. It's a playoff team. So it's an interesting experiment. Because you've got three guys that everybody thought were the problem. Or at least part of the problem. And they have gone to play other places and been part of the solution. O'Reilly's the top line center on the Blues this year. And they might still win the division. He was a second line center here. Leonard has gone to the Islanders and been the 1A goalie. Grice is getting a similar amount of starts. And he's playing great. And they're going to the playoffs. He's part of their solution. And Kane more so just kind of fit into what the Sharks were doing. They were already good. I'm not going to sit here and say Kane made the Sharks good. But he hasn't hindered them by any means. A 98-point team if you had plugged those three guys back in. There are, of course, you can't. You got to take that with a grain of salt, but it's just an interesting experiment to look at. That they were not part of the larger problem here, and now you're stuck trying to replace that production in some spots. And if you let Skinner walk, you've got to find a way to replace that production too. I shouldn't say let Skinner walk because I would think at this point, I'd have to want to think that if he doesn't re-sign here, it's his own doing. Which is fair. I think Skinner has good reason to want to leave. You look at Leonard's comments last week, I think those ring true. I think there's a lot of negativity negativity surrounding this team right now. And last year, of course. Skinner's a guy who has never been to the playoffs. He's going to be 27. Or is he 26? He'll be 26? 26-27. He's never been to the playoffs. And the team that he was just on, that had the longest drought in the NHL of not making the playoffs, the Hurricanes, they're about to make the playoffs in the first year he's not there. That's got to sting. That guy's going to be craving the playoffs right now. And I wouldn't blame him right now if he looked around what's here in Buffalo and said, I don't know if I'm getting there anytime soon here. Like, I want to get to the postseason before I'm 30. I'm going to go play for the Penguins. Especially when you could get as much money, I would assume, the Sabres are offering on the open market. The teams pay stupid money in the open market. He could do it. There are reasons for him to stay. Eichel, being close to home. Having a career year here. But the guy does have reason to leave at this point. So it's it's gotten a lot more interesting. It has gone from, oh yeah, he's staying. And nobody even really thinking twice about him leaving. To... 
I, you cannot assume he's going to be here next year. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on this. Let's start the segment off with James in Niagara Falls. James, what's up, man? You're on the cap. And if he walks, it would be all on the Sabres. Because you would have done better to sign him in October and November. And let me ask you this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it from a different angle here. A couple of things. Number one, what if it's – how much of a call does Bottrell have? What if this is ownership? On Skinner's contract? Yeah, when, when it comes to – my point is – Well, I would imagine they're all on the same page. They want to keep him long-term. Let's assume they are, but what if ownership is setting their parameters? That's not good either. There, see, James, to me, though, there's nothing that says that they are doing that. The only comment we have from ownership on Skinner is Terry Pagula answering a question at the NFL owners' meetings where he was asked, you want to get Skinner done? And he said, yes. That's all we got. So I'm not going to operate under the assumption that they're setting the parameters because there's no evidence that that's happening. Let's continue on in the phone lines here. Let's go to Jonathan and Alden. Jonathan, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, Joe. Um, I want to say, I think the biggest reason, um, what, what do, you, do you think coaching has been a part of Jeff Skinner's decline in play? Because I think the, the biggest reason we should, um, I think the Bill Sabres should try to move on from the house and just find the right coach, ASAP, try to get Skinner's play on top. I mean, I mean, I mean uh, yeah, see, I, I don't know, man. I, I think about that for a second, and I think, okay, has that been true? Yeah, he hasn't been playing with Eichel as much lately. He's been playing with Middlestad a lot. Um, but his his slump really started playing with Eichel. I, I'm not going to blame... Housley's got enough blame on his plate that's, I think, deserved that I don't want to throw that on top of it. I mean, Skinner has had a career year with Housley as his head coach. You know, for the many mistakes I think this coach has made, I think a big... Uh, feather in his cap is the fact that he kept Skinner with Eichel almost the entire season, even when things were getting rough. Like, that was a combination he stayed the same. Now, there were a lot of other things that he didn't change that probably should have been changed, but in that instance, no, I don't want to put that on him. I wonder if the coach, though, would affect his decision to return or not. I wonder. I don't think you can get Joel Quenville, but if you sign Joel Quenville to be your head coach, does that make Skinner more likely to come back? Maybe. I'd look at that as a player and say, all right, that's, that's look at that, Joel Quenville. That's nice. It's one of the most respectable coaches in the NHL. But past that, I don't really know how much uh, coaching would play into whether Skinner stays or not. Let's go to Troy and Amherst. Troy, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Joe, What's up? If, if the if the Sabers are balking at uh, at signing Skinner to an eight year, nine million dollar contract, I don't blame them one bit. As desperate as we are, the guy just went twenty some games without scoring a goal. Mm-hmm. This has got Billy Lano, Matt Molson written all over it. Well, well, had Billy Lano and Matt Molson though never were capable of scoring almost forty goals in fifty five games. So there's a difference there. You could say he's streaky, and I would agree with you, but 
that like those two players were never capable of putting up the hot streak that Len- or that Skinner had before his cold streak. Yeah, but I'm saying they they were stuck with them for a long time for a lot of money for for, for no reason. I get you, but think about the style of player in this right. When you look at Molson, uh, especially. Like that was a player where he he made his money in front of the net. He was never a good skater, and the game just went way too fast for him by the time he reached twenty nine thirty. Whereas Skinner, you look at him and you look at how he's good. It's his skating. So to me, like he reads like a player that should last into his thirties at least for the contract. That's that's a good point. Yeah, I mean that that's just my thought on it, man. I get where you're coming from. I get why you would be hesitant. Anybody. I get why you would be hesitant to sign a player who has two goals in his last 20 however games to an eight-year contract paying him that much money. I get it. But you have to pay one of these guys eventually. And you can't hide from them because you're afraid that it's going to be another Molson, Okposo, Leno. Those were crap signings. Agreed. But you got to keep swinging. And you have to be smarter with it. And this seems to me, and I bet it seems to them, and like to a lot of people, this is a smarter investment than those guys. He's younger than those guys were. He's a different type of player than those guys were. He has more pedigree than those guys had. And un- all, unlike all three of those guys, including Leno, because Leno had that big year that he had in Philly with Briere as his center. And Molson and Poso both had their big years with Tavares. Skinner has pedigree, and it has come while playing with your name here as the Hurricanes' number one center. So there are big differences to me that should make you think different about this specific situation. Take one more call and then we'll hit a break. Let's go to Joe in Lancaster. Joe, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, um, what's up? Um, so I was just I'm thinking about I'm just thinking about the chances of him signing, and you know I, I know he's never been in the playoffs and. Watching Carolina probably going to make the playoffs has to really suck for him. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, what if like a lottery win, like a top two pick? What are, how does that affect maybe his likelihood to want to sign here? Because like, I think winning a Jack Hughes or a Capo Caco type player, I don't think maybe will send us in the playoffs next year. Like, there's still a lot of other problems, but like, it re- I think it instantly makes you a better team. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think nowadays, I. I- I, I don't mind your point. Um, like a couple years ago, or even a, a while ago, like I would m- maybe one of uh, people would have balked at that idea. Like, hey, this eighteen-year-old that's overplaying in Finland that you've never heard of. Like, hey, he's gonna make us great, and that's gonna convince Skinner to stay here. Nowadays, though, like everyone's more plugged in. Yeah, I think that could help, and not just like, hey, it wouldn't hurt. Like, I think that could actually help a guy stay here that has had the regular season failures that that guy's had. If you can bring in another lottery pick and you could look at him and say, hey, you want to sign up here for eight years? You're going to have Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel, and Rasmus Dahlin on that team for all eight years. That's a way to convince a guy that things are going to turn around is that young, elite talent. So we'll see. I want to run down some of the uh, some of the lottery standings and how that's all going right now when we come back from the break. Um so that'll be a good transition to get into that. If you want to keep uh, coming in with your thoughts on Jeff Skinner and whether you think they have to, they still have to make this contract happen. 
803-0550 is the phone number. You can hit me up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. We'll read through some tweets as well. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. We talked about these last two home games, and, and the guys brought it tonight. And we need that emotion. We need that passion on Thursday. They should be pissed off. We're all pissed off. But we have to, again, garner that and, and bring that same effort because if we play like that, we're going to win. It's just, it's just unfortunate that we do play like that and we get screwed. There's Phil Housley. Last night's post-game press conference. I mean, he's right in a way. They got screwed on that call. It was a terrible call. But, I mean, what does it matter at this point, right? They are going to finish. Where they're going to finish is hilarious, considering they were first place in the NHL. Not just first place in the NHL, like a couple games into. Like, they were over a month into the season in first place in the NHL, and they could finish 30th still. That's amazing. It's truly amazing that that could happen. Right now, they're in 28th. The only teams behind them, the Devils, two points back, the Kings, three points back, and then Ottawa's in last with uh, 62 points, way, way back. So, right now, you've got the fourth best lottery odds, 9.5% for first overall, 28.8% chance for a top three pick. That's where you sit right now. Devils are behind you. Kings are behind you. The best you can do would be finishing second to last. This is in terms of the lottery. You would need the Kings and the Devils to both pass you. So for that, you would need the Kings to win twice and you'd have to lose out. Which at this rate, I guess they probably will. Well, maybe not. They play Ottawa tomorrow. The way they've played, though, they could very well lose these last two. And the Devils are only two points back of you, so they'd have to gain that. And then you could be looking at almost 40% chance for a top three pick and 13.5% for a number one pick. And then you're probably looking at pick five or six at worst as opposed to now you could fall to seven. So that's kind of where you sit with the lottery, which is less than a week away. It's a little earlier this year, April 9th. I'm not sure what time, but it's going to be April 9th. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, if they can pull off another lottery win here, you're going to get to a point where the snarkiness is going to come out. It's like, oh, they won another lottery, Edmonton, all over again. How many lotteries does it take to get you to the playoffs? Like The jokes will will rain in from different places. But, man, you land Jack Hughes or even Capo Caco with that second pick, you can snicker all you want. I'm going to be excited for that. Because at some point, you add up enough elite talent, you're going to get there. At some point. It's just got to happen. Especially when you're nailing top picks in like generational drafts where you've got sure things star players. Like Edmonton won a bunch of lotteries and they got first overall picks, but you know, a couple times like that didn't mean Yakupov, that was a bad draft year. Yakupov obviously was like the worst of them. Uh Nugent Hopkins, that was not a great draft year. Like he's okay. He's he's a good second line center, but he's not some superstar. Whereas here, I mean you got Eichel. Star, even superstar. Darlene, superstar. This year, that would be that again. Reinhardt would be the only like top two pick you would have had where you went, ah, that wasn't a great draft year. And he's good, but he's not a superstar. This year is, looks like another one of those years where we had Chris Peters from ESPN. We'll play that back 
uh, in the second hour, he compared this year's class at the top to Matthew's line A. Hughes, Kako to Matthew's line A. So if you can get on the next Matthews or the next line A, sign me up. I don't care. At this point, just fall as far as you can and just give me some sort of hope going into the next year. We've been talking a lot about the Skinner contract, um, Jason Bottrell's approach with it, and whether he has to do it. Because the opinions are starting to change a little bit. You would not have found anybody, I bet, in this city a couple months ago that would have said, yeah, I don't want to sign Jeff Skinner. We don't need to sign Jeff Skinner. Whereas now, I would still say the majority wants to keep him. Maybe if it's an overwhelming majority. But there are people popping up where, and there are arguments popping up where you can go ahead and say, hey, we don't need to do it. We don't need to do it. And I get that end of it. I still think you got to pay somebody at some point, and this is the guy to do it with. 803-0550 for your thoughts on that. Let's start the segment off with Aaron and Tonawanda. Aaron, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure, no problem. And so a caller called in a couple of calls back and questioned the role of uh, management in in signings. And you said, well, there just isn't any proof of that. I've seen no evidence of that. But last week or the week before, Mike Harrington wrote an article in the Buffalo News and basically said that Kim Pagula ran Palafontaine out of town, and he pretty much intimated in the article that they're interfering with, with Barrow. So I guess maybe there is some something out there. I mean, Mike Harrington's probably a pretty reputable guy, right? It's not- uh, I mean, may- maybe, man. I mean, I didn't read that. I didn't see that. And I also haven't heard of, seen it, like, talked about on social media. So I don't know. I can't really – I can't speak on it. I can't. I can't say that that's true. I haven't read it. I feel like if that was out there, it would be talked about a lot more than just being brought up here. So, I really don't think there's evidence of it. I think my the way it looks to me is this is Botchel's show. He's the one making the moves. Bringing the guys in, player-wise, roster-wise. And you have to judge him on it, I think. Especially when, like, his moves are different than Murray's. By a lot. Like, he's he's trading those all-star level, not superstar level, like, all-star level players away. Murray was bringing them in. Murray wasn't going for speed. Like, there's a stylistic difference, too. Everyone Bottrell's brought in is a good skater. Except Scandella. But everything else. And he and Scandella's not like he's not a statue. He's not a great skater. But Bottrell has made this team faster. He's got more reason to stay than Housley does. Like not everything he's done is perfect. I'm talking about the GM here. But he's made a lot of good moves. The Sherry move, like like low-key stuff like that. Sherry's a decent player, and you gave up almost nothing to get him. The Skinner con- the Skinner trade is a home run. Even if he doesn't sign, it's a home run. You give up nothing. Cliff Poo's already out of Carolina's organization. And then you give up a second and a third. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> this team doesn't hit on those picks anyway, it seems. And then... The O'Reilly trade is like the one that just looks bad right now. It looks bad. I wish they didn't do it. 
I wish then they didn't do it. That felt like a move you did because you didn't know what else to do. It's what it sounded like. They made it anyway. And that that guy's the number one center on a team that might win his division and is going to the playoffs. The number one center. He wasn't even, didn't have to play that role here. It was a tough trade. But to me, like, if someone's going, it's, not, it's the coach. Is that even in question? It's the coach. That's my problem. And whether Bottrell keeps Skinner or not, like, he's getting another year, or maybe even two. Housley has made enough lineup, day-to-day decisions that just don't make sense where I just don't know what you do. You like it just it seems like he doesn't know what he's doing. It seems like it. He's out here talking about sh- a shot mentality where the Sabres have provably had this season one of the lowest high danger scoring chance percentages. Like all their chances are from the outside. Good for your shot mentality. How about good shot mentality? How many quality shot mentality? That's what you really need. And they don't have that. And the coach doesn't talk like he wants that. And the players certainly aren't showing that on the ice. 8030550 is the phone number. Chris Peters, as I mentioned, talk some prospects. Frozen 4 next week as well. We'll have that here on WGR. And it'll be here in Buffalo, of course. We'll play that back in hour number two. I also want to get into Titan Gate a little bit. If you don't know what Titan Gate is, I'll fill you in. There's a lot of good things going on with uh, with Bills fans as it relates to this Fox Sports poll that was going around on Twitter the last few weeks. So we'll get into that a little bit. And uh, a quick word on Zion Williamson being out of the tournament and going to the NBA and where the, uh, the Final Four sits now. All that on the way. It's the nightcap, 8030550 is the phone number. Hit me up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. It's the nightcap on WGR. No, I don't think that's crazy, and I think you make a pretty good point that, that if he was close to that shape in college, why was he at times the third option in that offense? He didn't produce the level of A.J. Brown. Even at times their other receiver, Demarcus Lodge, actually performed better. He was the, the team's second-leading receiver. So it's really interesting and, and it kind of makes him as the classic workout warrior that the combine doesn't really match with what you see on film. That is CBS Sports' Chris Trapasso, NFL draft analyst, talking with Bulldog and Sale earlier today. That's on demand at WGR550.com. I am, he's talking about DK Metcalf there. I am at a point where I have, I just want no part of that. No part of DK Metcalf, especially at nine overall. Just the, the way this receiving class is building up to be as deep as it is, it sounds a lot like Sammy Watkins to me. He might be the top guy. He's definitely the most athletic guy. And that's all well and good. But the college production is not there. And you draft him nine, I think you're setting yourself up to do Sammy Watkins over again because I love five or six receiver prospects after him. And if they all turn out to be good, even if Metcalf is good, 
it could be another situation where you go, yeah, we got a good guy, but we could have drafted one in round two and he would been fine. We could have had Ed Oliver. Just, you read about him and I've started to watch more and more film on him. I probably, I don't watch, I'm not a film guy, but I do watch as much as I can. And I've probably watched more on him than any of these other college guys so far. And I just don't, I'm not wowed by it. Like, I don't see the freak Greek god of an athlete that we saw at the Combine and we saw at his pro day. Like, I'm not seeing that on the field. He's fast, but all the highlights you see from him, it's not really him getting a lot of separation. It's him kind of going over the guy and making a great catch. But then the other plays you're looking at that aren't on the highlight reel, he just... He, I'm just not wowed by it. And I think a player of that stature and of that hype, I want to be wowed by it if I'm doing that at nine. And I'm not getting him in the second round. So, for the Bills, I don't like that idea. He should be a first-round pick. I'm in a fantasy draft where I got a rookie draft coming up in a couple of months. I got the fourth overall pick. It's going to be mostly rookies in the first round. I want DK Metcalf fourth overall in that setting. Because I think he's going to be a good player. And there's a potential that he's a home run. There's a potential he is A.J. Green or Julio Jones. There's also a potential because of the red flags that he doesn't hit that that mark. And that's a risk I would not want the Bills to take at 9 overall. He's probably bound to be a mid to late first round pick at this point. And I think that's fair. And you don't pick in the mid to late first round. And you've got all these other receivers, Hakeem Butler, his teammate A.J. Brown, Trapasso there who had playing. He likes A.J. Brown as his top as his top uh, receiver prospect. How am I taking you at nine if you were maybe not even the best receiver on your team? You didn't have the best production on your team at receiver. Even when they're playing, you looked at Brown and Metcalf and their target share was about the same. And I can get one of those guys maybe in round two. Or I can get Marquise Brown, super fast guy from Oklahoma. Neil Harry, I think, is the other guy from Arizona State. He's being talked up a lot. Like, there are a lot of names, it seems, at receiver. The Stanford guy, Arkega Whiteside. There's just too many names where I want to do that that early. And Ed Oliver seems to be a pretty popular choice for them at this point. I don't want them to draft a defensive lineman. But if he's that talented like Oliver seems to be, then I, I can stomach that more than... Spending nine overall, spending another high pick on another loaded receiver class. I'll have more on that in hour number two. Uh, I want to get back into the Sabres as well. And we got to talk about Titan Gate. I've been all over Titan Gate. If you don't know what it is, I will fill you in next. And I'll also tell you where you can uh, read more about it because we got a bunch of it on our, about it on our website at WGR550.com. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi here on WGR. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. 